Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we thank you, Lord, that you are with us and that you teach us, O Lord. We ask you, Lord, that you open our hearts, our minds, and that we would put into action what we hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we saw how the world judges Jesus and those who will follow him, how outraged they are with him. Tonight we will look at the opposite, how Jesus judges his church and the world and how the church is involved in all of that. Let us open our Bibles to Deuteronomy 1. 9 through 18. For context, we will be focusing on verse 17, though. The word of the Lord says like this. This is Moses speaking. At that time, I said to you, I am not able to bear you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? Choose from your tribe wise understanding and experienced men and I will appoint them as your heads and you and you answer me the things that you have spoken is good for us to you to do so I took the heads of your tribes wise and experienced men and set them as heads over you Commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, and officers throughout the tribes. And I charge you, your judges, at, this, at, at that time. Hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien who is within you, within him, with him, I'm sorry. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone. For the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring it to me, and I will hear it. And I commanded you at commanded you at the that time all the things that you should do. Often we are challenged as a church and as a people of God by this saying You are not to judge anyone. I remember when I was uh, in the lab working, I had a friend who was an atheist, and he was telling me his story, 
and all the sins that he favored. And I would tell him, I don't think that's right. You shouldn't do that. And I would do this persistently. And one day he said, well, doesn't the Bible says you shouldn't judge? To which I answer, Matthew 7, 1. Have you read the whole context? He said, yes, but I don't like the rest of the parts. The truth is, the judging, although it is a bad word in our society, it's something that God commands us to do. We ought to judge. Now, I want to make a distinction between judging and condemning. There are two different things. Therefore, there are two different words for them. To judge is to determine whether something is right or wrong, good or evil, proper or improper. To condemn is simply to say you are guilty and this is your punishment. But many times in Scripture, we see those words interchangeably. The question is, can Christians condemn? Certainly most Christians would agree that we should at least determine or, de- or decipher whether something right is right or wrong. And certainly we would say we shouldn't do the things that are wrong and we should do the things that are right. Unfortunately, many Christians or people who call themselves Christians have a different perspective of what is right and what is wrong. So can we judge? Can we condemn somebody? Certainly, all Christians would agree, we can't condemn people the way God condemns. God condemns in a way that is final. Hell. Eternal damnation. That is God's prerogative. Not ours. But there are judgments within between. For example, can the church judge itself? Can we determine whether we should discipline somebody within the church? If you have read anything on that from nine marks, you will see that yes, you can. I recommend Pastor Paul's book on that subject (laughs) or within that subject. But does the scripture actually say this? Well, let's look at the verse, and I think we will find very specific things that it will show us on the issue of judgment. Verse 17, you shall not be partial in judgment. It is interesting that this is something that it's assumed. People can judge. Right? I mean, in society, we have actual judges that determine whether somebody can go to jail or not whether there should be a fine. So people are capable of judging. Laws are established, and so you can determine according to the law what is within the law and what is not within the law. Well, God has established his law. Morality is not something that happens 
out of the blue. It's not something that gets created in our hearts. It's something that God has established through his law. And therefore, it is something that can be judged. Here the writer assumes that there could be judges. That there are people who are able to judge If we look at that Matthew passage, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, it says, Judge not, that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Which technically actually is saying, you can judge, just be careful. And with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. You are accountable as a judge. That's all it's saying. In fact, if you look at the passage and look at down at, at the last verse 6, it says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before swine. That's a judgment. You have to decide whether you're going to do this or not. If you're going to throw your, your pearls before swine or not. If you're going to give to dogs what is holy. It's a judgment call. So it almost seems, not almost, it seems that we can't judge. And although there is distinctions on what we can judge and what we can't, people can judge. And Christians can put out consequences for not living a holy life among Christians. Right? Church discipline is exactly that. There are consequences if we live a sinful life within the church. We judge those things. Now I want to make myself clear. There are certain things that are meant to be judged by courts. But there are others that we can judge ourselves. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 3 says, When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try tribal cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? Christians are not only able to judge, but are supposed to judge. In essence, the church is our exam, our preparation for when we will judge the world and angels, according to Paul. So now that we have established this, 
Point one, we are called to judge. We are commanded to judge. How do we do this? You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone. For the judgment is God's. Here we see three things that help us judge correctly. First, we are to judge fairly. You shall hear the small and the great alike. Throughout scripture, we are taught to judge everyone fairly. Now, this is interesting because fairly doesn't mean the same. There's a distinction there as well. Fairly does not always mean the same for everyone. I always give this example. When my daughters want something, I don't give them the same thing. Because if I do, then they won't really appreciate it. I'll give you an example. If I gave my daughter a dress, one of my daughters a dress, let's say the smallest one, and my biggest daughter wants a dress, if I gave her the same dress, it wouldn't fit her. Right? It has to be according to her size. So judgment is not something that is particularly equal in every aspect to everyone, but it needs to be fair. Needs to be fair. The Lord in the Old Testament always pushed this to his people. Exodus 23, 2. You shall not fall in the, with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit, siding with the many, so as to pervert justice. Nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. Or look at Leviticus 19.15. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defend the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Now when we see, especially in our culture and in our world, justice, and how it's being portrayed nowadays, we see that people are always afraid of other people. Whether it's because they have too much power, or because they're a different ethnicity, or because of their sex. There's always an issue. They're always afraid. I like to make fun of my culture. And people that know me know this. And I've heard many times, especially from Anglos, say, well, I can't say those things about you. 
And I understand why in this culture. But the truth of the matter is, there are generalities in life. There are things that happen that everybody understands. It's like that. It's just how it is. It's not a bad judgment, right? I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying (laughs) think about it, right? It is how it is. But does this apply to the church, the New Testament? Let's look at James 2, 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convinced by the law of transgressors. We can't be partial. We can't appeal or give more weight to somebody who has more power or less power. We have to be impartial when we do our judgment. When harmony hits melody, it's not any better than when melody hits harmony, right? Even though harmony is like three times smaller than melody, it's wrong. We can't be impartial. You shall not be intimidated by anyone. That's the second point of point two, (laughs) for those who are taking notes. So we should be fair, and we should be impartial. We shall not be intimidated by anyone. Point three, for the judgment is the Lord's. We should be fair, impartial, And we should acknowledge that our judgment will be judged by God. Because judgment is something that is given by God to those who are allowed to judge. It's a power. And so it's given by God. Which means that those people who judge are representing God and his judgment. And so God will judge you. This is why it's so important to live holy lives. We are called to be light and salt of the world. We are called to live holy lives. How can we render judgment on something that we do ourselves that is wrong? You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor the pole light of a lamp 
and put under a basket. If we reflect God, we will be able to judge properly. This is why the qualifications for overseers and deacons is so high. Although we have studied this and know and understand that it is something that everybody is required of all Christians, right? Must be above reproach, a husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. All Christians need to do that. And so when we look at judging, we must do it with a clean conscience. We must do it because we follow Christ. Now it is interesting how the passage ends. In the case that in the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring it to me, and I will hear it. Now this is Moses speaking. And Moses is a prototype, right? Of Jesus. Really, Moses is not the example for Jesus. But Jesus is the example for Moses. He is the right and righteous judge. Jesus tells us, bring it to me. Whatever you have trouble in judgment, bring it to me. Jesus wants us to bring it to him. Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ, our Lord, is the righteous judge, ultimately. We look at him for example, but there are many times when we can't do it ourselves. So we come to him. When we cannot make a judgment, we must take it to the Lord. Have you ever had questions about the Bible? Take it to the Lord. Pray about it. Take it to Him, take it to His people. Ask them. You have no idea how many times I've been corrected, encouraged, and I have learned so much from God's people, from Christ. As I read his word and things start clicking. Do you have a hard decision? Take it to the Lord. You don't know what to do? Take it to God. 
Do you have bad habits? Take it to God. He is the righteous judge. Do you have addictions? Take it to the Lord. Our problems, but most of all, our moral struggles. This morning, we saw how people couldn't take Christ's morality. And many people have said that the law in the Old Testament, the moral law of the Old Testament, is hard. But Christ's law in the New Testament is harder. The truth of the matter is that we can't stand before God as moral people. Christ died for that. And although he is the judge, he is also the one who took the place of every one of us. So that we could be able to face a righteous God. A holy God. We need to bring it to him. Whatever we can't judge. Especially the things within our hearts. Sure, one day we'll judge angels. But by that day, we will be glorified. It will be a completely different story of what we are today. The truth of the matter is that we have to judge ourselves first before we can judge the world. Because ultimately, Christ judges the world through his church. We are light and salt. Let's live like that. We need to bring everything to him. Bring it to the judge of the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you didn't come and righteously destroyed us, O Lord. But through your mercy and grace, you sent your son to die on our behalf. And now we are judges. We thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven us. And we ask you, Lord, that we would become more and more conformed to the image of your Son, O Lord, the righteous judge. In Jesus' name, amen.